Welcome to Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood, a podcast that's all about changing the way we view midlife and bringing the conversation about menopause out into the open. Each week we share stories, experiences and inspiration. We talk to experts on how to best navigate this time of life and find out how other people have not only survived but thrived through this time. I'm your host, Karen O'Connor. I'm here today with Karen Phillip. Karen is a counselling psychotherapist and clinical hypnotherapist and a communication Australia parenting and relationship expert on TV, radio and print media. Welcome, Karen. Thanks so much for being with me today. My absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me, Karen. You are welcome. I was so interested when I read about you because you were saying a few things like you focus a lot in your practice on midlife women, which is obviously my audience. But also the thing that I went, whoa, is that the new divorce rate or the peak of the divorce rate is people in their 60s. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Wow, I can really get that. So can we start there and let's talk about that? And just welcome. Tell me a bit about yourself too. Well, as you say, I'm a counselling psychotherapist and clinical hypnotherapist. I've been doing this for 20 plus years now and you are exactly correct. The women in their late 50s, early 60s are the new increased rate of divorcees and there's a few reasons for that. Years ago, there was women would feel that they needed a partner or a male in their life to support them financially. It was their responsibility to look after the male, look after their home, provide the environment for their children and then the grandchildren and so on and so forth. Now, while that part of that hasn't changed, women are now stepping more into themselves as independent human beings. They are able to work and develop a career. They've learned to live usually for years on very little income, depending on what the husband's wage was, if they worked. They always put other people first before themselves generally. So we don't need a real lot of money to, as long as we've got a roof over our head, clothes on our back and food on our table, we're actually quite happy. Uh, And so when we get to the age of around late 50s, early 60s, we're usually empty nesters. The children have gone and there's just him and me. And we look at sometimes the him and go, you know what? I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to tolerate some of the words or behaviours or actions. I'm not going to be treated like a second-class citizen or in a way that I don't deserve. So I'm now going to step away because I am an independent, strong woman. And our, this generation of the late 50s, early 60s women, which we are in, is basically the first time in history that women have been able to do that and feel confident to do that and feel empowered enough to do that, which I think is awesome and it sort of puts their male counterparts on notice a little bit too, I think, which is good. <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? So where does this come from? Is this like a mixture? As I'm listening to it, I'm having my own opinion about this here. Is this a mixture of the guys who are entrenched in, well, this is the way this is the way it's always been and just I'm just going along happily and I'm okay and I hate to generalise, but the tendency to not necessarily be empathetic in the older male generations, 
a little bit more difficulty to get into other people's worlds and understand people's point of views, other people's point of views. How much of it is that and how much of it is the women going, okay, like that? It's actually just what you said. It's really a combination of the two. The men in their late 50s, early 60s, remember who they were raised by, parents that are now probably 80 or even 90 years old. And they were raised in a generation where the women were basically the slaves. They did everything. They didn't have a brain. They didn't have rights. They were just the slave to the family. They were there to procreate and to serve, and that's pretty much it. And so these men, the men in their 50s and 60s, were often, not all, but the majority, were raised with that belief. And over the years, like when the women in their 60s now, say late 50s, early 60s now, were getting married, that is still how it was believed, that the women were lucky to find a man and a man thinks I'm worthy to marry and to look after me and so on and so forth. That has done an absolute 360 turn, complete 360 turn. Women in their 30s, 40s and 50s are now getting degrees, are now starting careers, are now feeling more worth about themselves. They do have a voice. They do have opinions. They need to be heard and they they are. They're no longer designed to simply serve the family and everyone in it. So... When they get to this age group of an empty nester, as we call them, it's like, well, hang on, what about me now? What about me? Do I really want to live the next 20 or 30 years of my life as a bit of a servant? I want to be heard. I want to be considered. And many couples that come in in that age group, the the most common issue is we can't communicate. He won't share his thoughts and feelings. He doesn't seem to understand what I need. And often the male in the relationship still is of mine, but I don't hear you. But you've got food on the table. I earn an income. What's your problem? Why are you complaining? And I had one not too long ago, whereas he wanted to travel in a caravan when he retired, when they retired. And she's going, but sweetheart, and this was before COVID, clearly, but I want to get on a plane. I want to go see other countries. I want to visit other cultures. Why? What's wrong with you? Isn't Australia good enough? I just want to travel around in a caravan. And so they were real loggerheads and she's like, it's not that I don't want to do that, but that's not the only thing I want to do for the next 20 or 30 years. And he's like, what are you saying? You're not going to do what I want and what I'm telling you? Where's this coming from? And he was quite surprised that at this age she was sort of, well, she had a voice. And what ended up happening is uh, just before COVID hit, by the way, so it was cancelled. But she said, well, you know what, sweetie, you go away. We're going to go as far as WA. Then I'm jumping on a plane and I'm going to Bali. Always wanted to go to Bali. If you want to come, fine. But if not, I'm having two weeks in Bali and I'll pick you up in the van when I fly back. And it was like, good on you. That was fantastic. He wasn't happy. And then, of course, COVID hit, so everything stopped. But this is what is changing now women are becoming stronger they've always been strong but they're now feeling safe enough to act in a strong way not just think it so they're actually doing it now which is awesome what do you think has made the difference why do you think women now feel strong enough to do that I think there's a few things that have come in the me too movement was a big one when that happened a number of years ago the fact that women are entitled to 
education now, whereas years ago when they were young, it was it was a bit sort of frowned upon. I remember my mum telling me when I was, uh, and I'm in my early 60s, when mum told me when I was about 15 or 16 I wanted to go on. I wanted to study psychology or, or study law. That's what I really wanted to do. And she was like, sweetheart, don't be silly. All you're going to do is you're going to get married, stay at home and have children. What on earth are you thinking? So she really disagreed with me going on to do studies. So I left at the age of 16, left school. I got a job and I ended up getting married at the age of 20, as you do because you think you're old enough, had three children. I never stayed at home. I always worked. And it wasn't until I got probably into my 30s late 30s, I'd left the husband and and took the children, left the husband because it was a very unpleasant relationship, um, very narcissistic relationship, that I thought, you know what, now I'm going to start studying. Even though I'd wanted to during that first marriage, it was, I was not allowed, I was not permitted. I actually started a law degree and I snuck around for a year I would say I had to go into work to do something on the Saturday. I would fly into the city, get the law books from the library, drop them in at work. Then I'd say, oh, look, I've got these projects on at work. I need to go in early. So I would study. I would do my assignments. And I put my address down as my work address. But there was something in the paperwork that I had to put my home address. And at the end of the first year, I got my results, which were awesome, you know, distinction passes, but they sent it to my home. He opened the mail and it's like, what are you doing? And it hit the fan and I couldn't return. I just could not return to the uh, university. Same thing happened when I um, I enrolled in another university course. I needed to do, it was three days I needed to attend. And at that stage I had a baby that was very young and he just sort of said, take the kid, take the baby with you. I'm not looking after him. It's like, it's your child. Nope. So I rang up the university and they said, look, sorry, you can't have a baby with you. You either come yourself or you don't come. So, again, I had to drop out. So all of these sorts of things were happening to women in their, and I was in my my 30s then, so it's only 30 years ago, uh, but now it's very different. We've got a lot more availability for childcare. We can get nannies, which we couldn't do really back then. We've got financial support that we didn't really have then opportunities for education we've got a voice we've got other women that are now strong enough and confident enough to speak out to support and to help there's refuges that are set up for women escaping some of these horrific marriages and relationships whereas they really didn't exist years ago so we're in a very different place and women are now taking their position as a valued human being and that really wasn't the case a number of decades ago, was it? Definitely not. I'm a little, I'm a lot luckier than you. My, I was having a conversation with my dad, who is now 83, and he was raised during World War II. So he was raised in England by all his mum, his grandma, his aunties and everything. So he grew up with all these strong women. And then oh, the wow. men came back from the war and my dad in his little 10-year-old head went, no, this is not acceptable. So he raised me, and I've literally only just realised, he raised me to believe that it had nothing to do with gender, it's about your personal abilities. 
So I actually did a degree in construction in the 80s. I was one of six women in the UK doing that job at the time. But to me, it was just, it was nothing special. That's just the way it should be. And I've only just realised how fortunate I am because I've raised my kids that way as well. I mean, it's a completely different generation, but it's like nothing to do with your gender. It's got everything to do with who you are as a person. Absolutely. I'm so lucky. So when I hear stories like yours, I'm really flabbergasted. Wow, that was so recent and that happened to you because to me that's Victorian times. And I was was very normal, raised in a very normal way. I was, you know, like my dad was interstate truck driver so he wasn't around a real lot. But he would, when he came home, like a lot of the males, they would check the mileage on the car, where have you been, what have you been doing, you know, it was they they owned. It was different. It wasn't that they were married to the to the woman. They owned them. They were their possession in many cases. And Dad wasn't a bad or an evil man at all. He was fine. But it was just a generational thing. And yes, I was in a that the first marriage. You know, 18, 20 years old. Of course, you know you think you know what you're doing, but you don't. Um, and I raised my children specifically to be very independent. All of the children learned to cook to clean, to vacuum, to fold the clothes, to hang up the washing. It didn't matter if they were male or female. I've got one female and two male children. They're all, they're amazing, absolutely amazing. They're they're all equal in their relationships with their partners, all got wonderful relationships with their partners. You're very successful, independent, all educated. Great. It's great. Yeah. So just because we experience something doesn't mean that we're going to raise our children to be the same. But I think the difference is we learned over the, the last 30-odd years. I got, um, luckily I was fairly fairly smart, so I got some great jobs, you know, sort of being in charge of various things, corporate, corporate work and so on. So I was able to develop that confidence in myself and I worked in often male domains and I was often the only female with a group of engineers and, and, and with groups of people that... The, the male hierarchy, basically, you know, 30, 40 years ago. So I was the female among a great set of very intelligent men, which was lovely, and I never saw myself really any different from them. A few of the older bosses did, so I, and I had one of them say to me years ago, believe it or not, I was 37 when I got this job, and it was in charge of a group of aquatic centres, and I had to upgrade them and build gyms and all sorts of things. And he called me into the office after about six months. He said, I don't know why you got this job. You were appointed when I was on leave. He said, you should be at home looking after your family. Why are you here? (laughs) It's like blew me away slightly. I just sat there rather stunned and I didn't respond. And I just said, thank you for asking that. Uh, Is there anything else? And then I got up and I walked out. And I was just, oh, my God. And that was just over 20, 25 years ago. And it was like, wow. And compared to now, you can imagine a woman having had that conversation nowadays. I mean, oh my goodness! So just in a you know in two decades, the change that we've had in the way that women are viewed and the the strength, independence, and ability that women know they have and are are standing up for themselves, and it has put our male counterparts not so much on notice, but it's like you know what they are equal human beings, even though we do have a group of, unfortunately, some males that still believe they own and they can control the female. And and that's often because the woman will leave work 
temporarily, will stay at home for a while looking after the children when they're young, are a little bit more reliant on the male for financial support. That's not ever really going to change in a big way. And often the male will, will when we have kids, the male's life doesn't change. Simple. It, he just keeps going. He keeps getting paid. His wage keeps increasing. He goes up in the corporate ladder if they're in corporate or hires more people if he's in a trade area, whereas the women have to stop and they, they may stop for one year, they may stop for five years, but then they have to restart and they will always put the children and the family before themselves. So they may be offered a wonderful job or position. It may mean, well, you've got to go overseas and work for a while or it may mean you're going to do longer hours. And we're still and perhaps rightly so, reluctant to take that on while the children are young because our priority is our kids, our family, whereas the male doesn't necessarily seem to have the same priority because he knows and is very confident that she'll take it on. She'll look after them. She'll be there. She'll do it because that's the nurturing side of the female gender. So we're always going to have a disparity in many ways as far as income, you know, sort of job roles, superannuation amounts, all of that, because of the fact that women do have the babies. They do remain at home for longer raising the babies. They are the first point of call if you're in the middle of a job and the child takes sick. Mum's usually the one that's called, drops everything, goes to pick up the child, looks after the child. That's still predominantly the female role, not not all, there's a lot of dads that are doing it too, but predominantly it remains with the woman. So we're never going to have the complete non-disparity in gender given the fact that women will naturally want to take over that nurturing, caring role of their little ones. And, of course, then we fast forward a couple of decades and mum and dad get a bit older and generally who looks after them? The women. So they may even leave work to look after their, their ageing parents because that's what women are. We are an incredible group of nurturing, loving, kind, strong human beings. And I think it's great being a female. I love it. So do I. And sort of leading or as an extension of that, um, nurturing, to me it's a lot of it is about taking on responsibility. We have this ability to juggle this vast array of responsibilities. And then we go, yeah, I'll keep doing that. I'll keep doing that till one day we just can't keep all the balls in the air. (laughs) (laughs) Women are so incredibly strong. They really are. It blows me away all the time on the strength of the female gender, their tenacity, their ability to work through everything, even their own ailments or discomfort or sickness. They will still prioritise others over themselves. I mean, we women always joke around about the man flu. Oh, God, he's got the man flu. He's got the man flu. But what we mean by that is he's feeling unwell and he goes down like a ton of bricks. We feel unwell or the whole family becomes unwell due to a flu or, a, or a whatever's going on, the diarrhoea as the children bring from daycare or whatever. And who is it that gets up looking after everybody while still hit with the same ailment? The woman. And why? Because she can, because she's stronger than everybody else. (laughs) So she's able to do it. Now, does it take its toll on women to a degree? Yes, it can. It unfortunately can. But you know what? Women are just, I have found in my 20-odd years of therapy that the women 
are just so strong and resilient. They really are. And, and I see, unfortunately, too many stories of, of abuses from not just childhood but adolescence and even within the, the marriage with domestic violence and things like that. And the way that women are able to work through and process and, and come for the help and support that they need, and they come for the help and support because they want to recover from it. They want to get over it. When we see the stats that women go to therapists more than men or women go to doctors more than men, it's not because they're weaker, and, and that's what a lot of us think, oh, well, women are weak. No, it's because women have the capacity and ability to recognise they need a little support and help for them to get back on the bike, so to speak, and keep powering forward. So they're the ones that are the stronger ones. They're the ones that reach out for the assistance if and when they need to. It's not like, oh, the man doesn't go to the doctor or the man doesn't have therapy because, you know, like that's weakness. Oh, my goodness. It's so, so far from the truth. The women are the strong ones because they are seeking out the help that they believe they need to recover from too many traumas and and experiences that they've had that were never meant for them, yet they were put into a position where they experienced them and some of them quite horrific. Yet I, I get women that come through with some of these stories and I sit there in awe of them and wonder how you get up every day. How do you keep managing to go through life and walk through life after these absolutely horrific stories that you have lived through, yet they're sitting there after support and, and help because they're so strong. They're so strong. It, it blows me away. It really does. And um, I do a lot of clinical hypnotherapy, which is great, and that helps the person to recover and put away their past traumas and experiences so much faster than what we refer to as counselling and, and, and psychology's talk therapy. And, and women are very proactive on using clinical hypnotherapy. Men are really starting to come to it as well. They often will arrive in your office to quit smoking. Oh, I want to quit smoking. And hypnotherapy, I know that works really quickly for that instantly. But yep. And then after they experience it, it's like, oh, I wonder what else it can do. And, uh, well, I've got this issue. Okay, we can, we can get rid of that. Oh, I've got this fear or phobia, it might be flying, it could be currently it's needles, things like that. Oh, get rid of that within half an hour. That's easy. And it's like, oh, my God, I've struggled with this all my life. I've never told anybody. I've just avoided blood tests or this or that because I've been too damn scared of a needle. And you got rid of it in 20 minutes. Like, what the hell? And it's like, yeah, it's great, isn't it? You know, whereas women will come earlier to manage issues that they may have such as that. I get women often through that have got wisdom teeth issues or they're now pregnant and they need blood tests and they might have a phobia of needles. So they'll come very quickly and, and say, is there anything we can do to get rid of that? Oh, yeah, gosh, half an hour, that'll be gone. Uh, and it is. So women, I'm not saying women are smarter than men, but women have more sense, I guess you could say, in many ways than our male counterparts. And they recognise that, you know what, this is an issue for me or this is not working right for me. I am going to track down what help I can get and I'm going to do something about it. I'm not going to battle on regardless because you're not battling on regardless. You're burying your head in the stand and hoping the hell goes away and it doesn't. Women don't do that. Women get on the bike and they go, right, 
I need to do something, I'm going to take action and I'm going to do it. And that's what I love about the women. So if somebody's coming to you, like in our age group, or as they're getting towards empty nesters, for example, and they're going through, (laughs) speaking of my own experiences here, they're going through that existential crisis. What is this all about? Because I had four kids and I'd stayed at home for a long time to bring up four kids. Mm. And it was like, oh, now what? Seriously, now what? What kind of stuff does the hypnotherapy do? What do you cover in that? Oh, gosh, everything, everything from self-confidence to, as I say, you know, stopping smoking, losing weight, of course, but any fears and phobias you have, what we can do in various techniques is we can, if, if a person is carrying baggage from their past, that can, that can be gone. We can get rid of all of that. If they've had trauma or abuse through their childhood, we can use, it's not just directly hypnosis, but there are other techniques that we use within that modality of very quickly getting to where it came from. And a lot of people think a lot come in and they've got these issues or traumas or abuse or experiences that they've had, both male and female, a lot more males coming through now. And as an example for a male, I had a a gentleman in a few weeks ago and he had like a childhood issue and he was around seven or eight, I'd have to look at the notes, seven or eight years old. And I said, okay, I asked him a few questions. Yeah, that I know that's where it started. That's how old I was. Really? Okay, let, let's just see. So I just asked him to close his eye, relax him down a little, and, and I did a bit of a, a timeline and I went back to that eight years old and seven years old and I said, and let's go a little bit further than that and a bit further. And, and the way that you say it, that the mind is able to actively do what you're guiding it to do. Until the, the age, and, and what about when you were three years old? And, two, and then all of a sudden he spoke and he said, I'm a baby and I'm wrapped in my mum's arms and I'm a baby. Oh, my God. And he's, he's got his eyes closed. He's, oh, my God, that, that's, that's when it started. And he started to cry, like sob. He's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I had no idea. And I settled him down and just relaxed him again. And then we took him, we did the, the modality, what we do, and we took him to a safe place and his adult self came and supported him and we worked through all of the issues that he went through. But he had no idea that it came from an age that he was that little and young because consciously we don't know. Our conscious mind only goes back to the age of around about six when we're adults, so we can't really remember. We might have a a still snapshot of something in our mind, but we don't have any videos or, or real active memories over the age of six. So, so many issues will come from younger age and then, look, some people go right back into a previous life and that is really interesting. Uh, they'll go back to, and I had a woman a few weeks ago that said, no, it was 22. That's when it started. The first marriage, it was a DV, and, and then the second one was as well, and she said it was 22. And what I did is I, I, I took her back, um, just asked her to close her eyes again, took her back, and she was five, and then we thought, okay, five years old. And then I said, is there anything before that? Yes. And we went back further and further, and she said, I'm a little girl, but it's not in this life. It's a previous life. And it was during the war and she described where she was standing on the end of a pier and her father had been killed. He was an Air Force pilot and he was killed and then her grandmother had just told her because her mum worked in a factory, the factory was was bombed or she can't remember if it was bombed or it was on fire or something and her mother was killed. And she said, I remember standing on, the, on, a, on a pier, on a dock, and I had no mum and I had no dad and I was distressed and I was crying. And this was part of 
the issue that brought her in, this distress that she she continued to feel. Um, and she couldn't feel this happiness and this elation when she she believed she should have felt it. And she thought it was when she was five or six years old, uh, 22 years old because of her DV and, and the issues that she experienced then. But no, no. And when she, she, you know, we did the therapy work that we needed to do, it took a little while. She came back and it was like, oh, my God, what the, what just happened? And she was so relaxed and comfortable and, and ignited and strong. It, it, was, it was almost like a different person was sitting in that chair and amazing things can happen. That's a little unusual. We don't usually go back that far. But, um, but even to the age of, of five, like a, a, another lady that, that, you know, she, was, she, watched, she did go back to five and she was sitting on a porch and everything was grey and mum and dad were yelling and fighting and dad ended up walking out of the house saying, that's it, I'm done with you and your mother and left. And that was it. Anyway, we did the, um, the therapy session or the, what we call the NLP session with her and then we brought her back to that, that event and she just sat there and her body language changed and her posture changed. She said, it's green. Everything is green. The house, the house is a, is a beige colour and I'm in a, oh, I'm in a yellow daisy dress and, and the grass is green and, and everything had changed. There was colour in her world and her life and, yeah, and we can do that. Those sorts of things can happen just in one session. It's amazing how quickly we put it down as hypnotherapy, but it's not what you think people close your eyes, you sort of relax, you almost go into a somnambulistic state of being asleep. It, it's not like that. There's so much more to it than, than just that. It's, um, it's fascinating. And you said earlier before we started, Karen, like, yeah, gee, how do, you, how do you take on people's, how do you listen to people's problems all the time? And that is how, because you've got the tools in your toolkit so many tools, because I've done this for a long time, to have those responses from people. And that is just so empowering as a therapist to be able to have that and, um, and to see the changes in people's face, people's lives, people's words, people's posture, the smile on their face. I had one lady that after we did a session, she kept putting her hands to her face. And I, I said, are you okay? And she said, I'm smiling. She said, seriously, I can't remember the last time I felt this. And she was feeling the face and asked me for a mirror because she hadn't seen her face smile for, like she said, decades, years and years. And she was beaming, absolutely beaming. It's, oh, so that's why I do what I do. don't know where to go now because that's kind of summed everything up so well like oh okay if somebody because the other thing that was really present for me when I was going through that period of the kids leaving home is I know you know I can stay I'm really good at organizing I've got four kids get all of them to school on time and you know get everything I can organize an army right yes but that doesn't translate into skills that the outside world values yes how yes. do we bridge that gap look it's it's very difficult I would suggest you work for a female <laughs> because they're <laughs> the ones that know exactly what you're talking about and they know the skill set I occasionally and I used to years ago when I was in the, in the corporate field I would help people write their their resumes to uh, color their resumes and women would say but I haven't done anything 
I'm going, really? You've raised, like in your, Karen, you've raised four children. What about time management? What about organisational skills? What about stock control? What about these? And they go, oh, so we would word it in such a way that over these last, you know, 10, 15 years, I have managed and I refer to the home as a business. You are running a small business. I have run a home business. If they ask you what it was, say anything, just say, you know, distribution. I've run a distribution business. That's all they need to know and they really don't care to ask a great deal more. It's like, yes, I managed stock control and I had staff. Okay, they may have been your children unpaid, but that's not the issue. I had staff and I managed a range of different personalities. I had very clear uh, job descriptions for each of them to do. You know, you did have the thing on the on the fridge and you ticked off their jobs when they did them, clearly. You know, you had the reward system for payments. You had stock control, so you needed to make sure that there was everything available for the business to work. So we can adjust our resumes for women getting back into the workforce in very colourful, accurate ways that any employer would love to have you working there. But if you, women put themselves down a lot, oh, I'm just a stay-at-home mum. Oh, I haven't worked for the last 10 years. It's like, oh, my God, I feel like hitting them over the head. It's like, you haven't worked for the last 10 years? My God, you haven't stopped for the last 10 years. You've been working 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Wouldn't it be great to just go to work for eight hours? Oh, my God, what a rest you're going to have. Get a cleaner in if you want. Get a cook, hire me, get meals in, who cares? But isn't that a break for you to actually go to work? And you know what? Often it is. When our children are little, however, we're doing the full-time work and often most of the home duties. So this is where I work with couples to distribute the home business duties a little bit clearer, and it is. We are running a home business. It's not just we're at home. You are running, that home is a business. It needs to run. Bills have to be paid. Income has to come in. Jobs have to be done. Things have to be attended to, cleaning, washing, cooking, shopping. Oh, we're out of cheese. Mum, we're out of cheese. Like, well, why, why don't you say that to Dad? He can get in a car and go and get cheese. Why me? But this is where we're still going. And it, it's up to the women to actually make that change. And um, women are brilliant, but they can also be their own worst enemies if they still and remain taking on all the home duties and their external work duties, we're, we're a bit silly. Now, we really need to sit down and have a family meeting and go, okay, these are all the jobs within our home business that need to be done. Kids getting to and from school, to and from sport, food, shopping, cooking, washing, cleaning, list them all down. Divide the jobs up. If the children are old enough, okay, darling, you've got this and that job. Sweetie, you've got this and that one. Honey, you've got this, this, this and that one and I'll do the rest because I know that I'm going to be a way more efficient and better at it than the rest of you anyway. And so you divide the jobs up, but we don't take it all on ourselves and then complain about it. We can't. We've got to stop that. We're being we're undermining ourselves. If women say, oh, but the kids won't do it or the, um, the partner won't do it, it's like, well, then they don't eat. Oh, well, they don't have clean clothes, I guess. Oh, well, the toilet in their bathroom is going to smell, isn't it? And once women can actually allow those things to occur, if they can, when they can, things can change. They will change. I've got plenty of women who now say, well, I'm not washing your clothes, husband. If you want them, you will wash them. 
well, I'm not going to put your clothes away, child. They will be in the basket. If you want them, you will need to come and get them, fold them and put them away. And if you wish to go to your sporting game, you need those jobs done, those few jobs during the week. Otherwise, I'm sorry, I will have to do those jobs. And guess what? I am nominating the time to do your job instead of taking you to your sport game. That's the time I'm nominating to do it. And are they going to push you? Of course they will. Are you going to live up to that? You just have to. So you just say, well, gee, I'd love to take you to see your, your netball or your soccer or your footy game today, but can't do it, sweetie, because the clothes weren't put away. Now I'm going to have to do your job. So you can either help me do it really fast and you may be a bit late or you just miss out. And when women start taking on that firm role as the boss in the home, amazing things can happen. <laughs> I love that glee. That's fabulous. Um, why do you think women undervalue themselves so much? Even the younger women today do to a degree. They still take on the majority of everything. It, and even though we say that there's no gender roles, there is. There still is. Women tend to believe and know they are faster, more efficient and better at many of the jobs. And, and I learned years ago, it actually came all the way back, believe it or not, from caveman days. Men would go out, we hunt buffalo. We go out or whatever animal it was, you know, we go, we get the buffalo. We bring in that for the next few days, whereas the women were left at the cave with all of the children. They not only had to protect their children from vicious animals, they had to care for the children. They had to teach the children various things. They had to go get the berries. They had to prepare the food. They had to clean. They had to sanitise as best they could. They had to go out and, and organise the home. So they were multitasking right back from caveman days, and that still remains within the base brain ability of the female and the male tends to focus more on one or two things. We also know, research has told us, that men can process three to five things at once. Women, seven to nine. If you go back to the men and they're a processor of three things, two of them are usually six. So we're limited now to one. It's the truth. So they may focus on one or maybe two things. It could be sport, food, job, whatever it is. Whereas women in their seven to nine, Sex is not part of it. It doesn't enter the equation. So they're they're thinking at any given second of any given time of any given day, I've got to get the kids ready for this. I've got to pick up that. I've got to organise this. I've got to make the appointment for that. I've got to look after this. I've got to check up on this. I've got to pay this bill. I've got to organise this, blah, 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 bang. That's what women's heads do all the time. Men don't understand that because their brain works differently. It's not a negative. It's just a difference. That's all. So when women talk to their male partners about, I want this done, I've got to get that done. Get, men are lost. They, they're stuck on the first thing she said. And, yep, they really didn't hear anything after that because what? <laughs> and, I, and then women get frustrated on the men. I love working with couples doing communication and um, it's so funny. We usually end up sitting there laughing their heads off because it's like, oh, my God, everything you said is so true. And the reason it's so true is because this is the gender difference. Once we recognise the gender difference, when, once we understand the gender difference, then our entire world can change, our entire world. The, the latest book I put out was Communication Harmony and I've got all this information in the books plus the three power words, the secret power words to use in your conversations, remove all conflict. 
We take away conflict. You never have to have an argument again in your life with anybody. It's amazing. And the people who have learned these skills, and, and we use it as a textbook in I Run the Australian Hypnotherapy College. We use that as part of our, our texts in the college when we're doing the psychotherapy training. And we have the students to use the power words after they've read them all and they've done the training and give us a story on how that has worked for you. And the stories are coming in from some of them are teachers. Uh, they're doing the hypnotherapy and psychotherapy training because they want a career change. A lot of them in their own home with their own. I had one that who's um, this gentleman had a 21-year-old son. Didn't work. Lazy. Wouldn't get out. Played games on his game thing, you know, what they do. And it was like, oh, my God, okay, I'm going to. And he, they argued all the time. So he put the power words into play and he wrote it all down, transcribed it all, and at the end of the conversation that they had, which was a nice conversation, the child agreed that he really did need to get a job, but he wasn't going to get one because his dad was telling him to. Dad was able to word it in such a way that we make it their decision and their idea, even though it wasn't. I spoke to him about three weeks later when we went back into the uh, college situation and he said, and I'm just letting you know, my son got a job. 21, first job in his life and he is loving it. And he said, oh, my God, if I hadn't learned those skills in that book, he said, we would still be at loggerheads with each other. He said, no, I was getting to the stage that I really didn't like my kid. I really didn't like him. <laughs> it's like, you know, I picked that up, you know. Um, so we can, we can make one change, one different choice that we can make in our life can put our life on a different path. That, that applies to all of us all the time. It really does. Just one different choice can send our life into a different direction. Thank you so much, Karen. This is this has been brilliant. Um, all of your information, by the way, will be on the web page that goes with the podcast, so you can connect with Karen there if you want to. It's been really great. I've had a really good time. I could keep going, but <laughs> <laughs> thank you. It's it's been lovely speaking with you, and you know, I love I love your podcast. I love what you do, and and how you really give your listeners so much variety of information and, and entertainment, which is just such a credit to you. And you do it because you can, because you're a woman and you're strong and you're intelligent and you're powerful. Absolutely. And you know what? We are. We really are. We need to recognise that a little bit, a little bit greater than what we do now. But I think we're, we're really getting there. We really are. And any female that is listening that that is currently a little bit less than satisfied in their life or that thinks they want to change or to do something different, there are ways to learn how to do things differently. And honestly, it doesn't take that long. It truly doesn't. We can make amazing changes once we know how. And, and I think most of what I do is teaching how. Thank you so much, Karen. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so very much for your time as well, Karen. Appreciate it.